0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Big Monday Show. My name is Charles Lyman. I am the host of the Big Monday Show. My partner and co-host, Mr. Barry Spears, will be with us in just a few. Today we go over the Preakness and uh, the weekend, big big racing event, Preakness Weekend. We'll uh, we'll discuss the the big race, which was uh, I don't know, it was it was okay, I guess. I mean winner ran good and there was some controversy about the ride on the horse who ran second um happy jack fenwick ran terrible as expected and the betting was just nuts on those two but uh, we'll talk about all that stuff and we'll talk about the uh the insanity of of trying to change the triple crown it's pretty insane when you really consider all of the factors that go into a racing event and why it works the way it works and why it won't work nearly as well in a different time slot. And we'll talk about some other things, including some more insanity from the New York State Gaming Commission. Uh, These people are just, they're great for podcasts because every couple months they give us something to talk about and... You just can't believe this in This one. Anyways, we'll be back in just a minute with the sniper, Barry Spears. Pleasant Acre Farms is a full-service breeding operation located in Morriston, Florida, just outside of Ocala. If you want to get involved in the breeding business in the Sunshine State, or you're already involved, Pleasant Acre Farms is really the only place you need to know. Joe and Helen Barbazon, who are just... Great people do a fantastic job taking care of your mare. They have a solid roster of 13 stallions with a really diverse group of pedigrees. Your mare will find a match at Pleasant Acre Farms. Currently, the star of Pleasant Acre Farms stallion roster is Neolithic, who is by far a runaway winner of the Freshman Stallion of the Year here in the state of Florida. His son, make it big, just made a 3-for-3, three three, winning the $400,000 springboard mile at Remington Park, earning 10 points towards the Kentucky Derby in the process. Pleasant Acre Farms is your one-stop shop for breeding in the state of Florida. Check them out at www.pleasantacresstallions.com or on Twitter at passtallions. You can also give them a call at 352 528 2885. Pleasant Acre Stallions, check them out. Hello, Epcot Sniper.
1: <laughs> What's up, man?
0: You made the right decision going to
1: Epcot instead of Pimlico. Yeah, I, I, I felt confident about that. like... Halfway through the card, I was like, yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. Well, first of all, it was
1: probably cooler at Epcot temperature wise. Yes, it probably was. I have to say, it was probably 85 there, which was nice.
0: So, I mean, honestly, maybe next year you can spend Preakness Day at Epcot as well. Of course, it might be, you know, in November, the way people want to change. <laughs> <laughs> Preak, uh, preakness time and
1: it's yeah. just the stupidest idea. Yeah, there's no, there's no point in it at all. Like, there's like no I, parrot, every, any, every other. day,
0: Barry. I look in the mirror and I say to myself, "There's nothing you can fix about that. That's perfect." That's you a, know, yeah. that's what they should do in the Triple Crown. You can't fix it. It's 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 how it's baseball. The pitcher's sixty feet six inches away. Why? I don't know why. <laughs> but that's it But works. it works. It works. It works. <laughs> don't change it. We're good. Well, they changed the mound in nineteen sixty seven. Yeah, exactly. Nineteen sixty seven. Oh, the Derby didn't always used to be run on this day and this uh, it's like for how long has the Triple Crown been in the uh, <coughs> distance and the, 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 the schedule like it is now? Like, I don't That's know, 60 years? <laughs> and changing it is just, it's just silly, number one, because it, it, it's not going to matter in a lot of ways. And there's so many other issues that um that are at play here. The the derby is the derby, okay? Crown, the derby would still be the derby. Number one, it's the kickoff leg. Number two, it's the most famous uh race that we have in North America at least, and it is the biggest you know, racing event that there is. And it's not just a race anymore. It's, it's an event. And that's the thing is that people are, are misunderstanding like the Preakness itself. If if the Preakness had 12 runners or 10 runners or nine runners, if, if a couple of the also ran from the Derby run, it doesn't matter that much in the grand scheme of things. No. And I think that is what people are missing. Number one, um, the television time you don't lose a lot when you run back in two weeks and you run back in three weeks because the the can follow along and it's not a month ago or six weeks ago or, or eight weeks ago and if you work for the people that own Pimlico well I guess uh, whatever you got to understand your event is made by the Triple Crown. The other two races aren't. They're not. We have had a lot of Belmonts that didn't have Triple Crown, you know, horses going for the Triple Crown. Lots of them. Lots of them. And the Belmont is a standalone event. We'll do fine. Especially considering the powerhouse undercard that they've, you know, They've made, which of course people have have feelings, mixed feelings about moving some of the races and all that. But the fact of the matter is, it's a very, very strong racing card. It's one of the top racing days of the year, probably in the top what six or seven. Uh, the Derby, the Breeders' Cup days, the you know, the, the Preakness Belmont Day, maybe Travers Day. So it's it's a huge event, but the preakness is stuck in between. And it has its place, but it's it's always gonna be the third wheel. It just is. And the fact is that the way the economics have worked out now, Big Brother is Churchill and, and Belmont. <laughs> Just looking at the undercard races, uh, someone had said, oh, if they move the under, you know, if they move the two weeks back, it'll be better for the undercard races. It's not going to, it's not going to help the undercard races at all. Because, <laughs> number one, the non-stake races, the, the maidens and the allowance races, they were essentially all mid-Atlantic horses. Um, and they weren't tiny fields. I mean, most of them, I think, were nine, uh, a couple scratches and here and there. But it's a fifty-eight thousand dollar purse, and I believe that those purses had money added into them, um, meaning that I think that the, the over the regular day-to-day race at Laurel or Pimlico or wherever is less than fifty-eight thousand. So that those are enhanced purses, and it's fifty-eight thousand, which is approximately half of what an allowance race at Churchill's run for exactly, and uh, you know, maybe I think most of the New York allowance races are a hundred. So there's not a great incentive for guys to ship in from those two locales for those races, because you're running for a significant amount of money less, right? It's, it's not even um, it, it's not like it's 10%. It's, it's a, it's a lot less. And then you look at the stakes and, you know, you see a lot of $100,000 races. You see a lot of grade threes. <clears throat> and it's just the way it is. Right. Um, it is what it is. <laughs> you know, the dinner party stakes, which we made fun of, was, is a mile and a, a 16th race on the turf for older boys in the, in the midst of a ton of those. And there's New York's running them. Uh, Kentucky ran them. Keeneland was running them. There's lots of them over the last 90 days. And it's just a race. It's, it's not any more special than any of the other ones. So, so that's a race that is not going to be really helped by by doing that. Um, all those sprint stakes were 100 and 125,000. Those fields aren't going to change. It's gonna, that's, that's what they're going to get. And I think the people, and, and this may sound like... You might think I'm crazy, right? When I tell you this. (laughs) No way. But 20 years ago, if I told you there'd be no more Hollywood Park, no more Suffolk Downs, or no more Calder, or no more Arlington Park, that California would be running five horse races on Saturdays, on big event Saturdays, um, that they would be running three horse stakes in New York on the turf. If I told you all these things, you would have thought I was nuts then, too. Well, I'm going to tell you something that you're going to think that I'm crazy. The Preakness doesn't have to be part of the Triple Crown. <laughs> <laughs> Hear me out.
1: No, I I, I, I I, think I know where you're going with it. And and it's fair point. You know, like you were explaining with, you know, the two chiefs on both sides. It's like, well, <laughs> what think do we need? Of, think about
0: Think about how events were created. First of all, you need money. Right. That's the big ticket here. Money. Um, Pimlico is, I mean, let's face it. If, if there was no Preakness, Pimlico would have been condemned and, and been gone a long time ago. No one would be surprised by that. It's an, it's, it's not even an aging facility. It's like way aged. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's a debacle basically. And everyone knows it. And before the COVID hit, we had some sort of an agreement that was uh, premature. Well, not premature, but it was just they made a huge mistake when they did it. And this is the fault of the Stronic Group, and it's the fault of the state legislators. It's the fault of the lawyers. It's the fault of everyone. In that number one, um, they recognized the need to upgrade laurel which is something the stronic group has wanted to do which is fine because they run most of the races in the you know at laurel the majority of of the uh the racing schedule is run at laurel and laurel needs help which is you know a fact well in order to be able to accept state money because the state of maryland passed a law just a few years ago uh because people get up in arms when States and cities and and uh, counties give massive to professional sports teams for building stadiums, and it's understandable. It's probably it's probably a bad deal mo- most of the time for the cities and the states. and In the end, uh, so they put a rule in that basically you can't write that money off. And I mean, I'm, and I'm being very you know. Uh, I'm not getting into too much detail because it's boring shit. But they came up with a number three hundred seventy-five million, I believe. They were going to float bonds. It was the Maryland uh, Stadium Commission uh, was going to be in charge of the Pimlico reconstruction. Everything went through them. The Sterronic Group had to sign the land over to um, the city of Baltimore because. That's the only way they could could do it um, because of the tax issue, except they forgot that the money that goes to Laurel, the strong group has to pay taxes on it. So essentially they have to pay taxes back to the state on money that the state is giving them, which of course is a giant non-starter because, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, what's the point? You're, you're going to have a massive tax bill for money that's the, – the money that's it's, it's going to go back to the state in taxes that, of course, the politicians will squander somewhere else it would would be needed to help make the, the – adjust it. Anyways, the long of it is that there's a big issue at Pimlico. They're claiming it's going to be fixed. Nobody really knows when it's going to be fixed. Um, nobody really knows what's going to happen. It's hard to believe you're going to build a racetrack and you're going to do all this, put all this money in, and you're only going to run it for, you know, a week, a year. There, there's They're giving some of the land there, they're repositioning the repositioning of track to give land to the community, to this, to that, all of which is fine. The problem is this, is that, What if it goes bad? Because there's also a law in Maryland that the pip the can only be run at Pimlico. Mm. What if something happens? And Pimlico is condemned. Sinkhole. <laughs> right. Some something like that. Something, you know, uh when when they knocked the grandstand down, some ancient burial ground is there and you know, they're not allowed to touch it for nine months and they have to stop construction or this or that. Who, who, you know, I, like, I, I, maybe it sounds insane, but like, you know, or maybe there's aliens living underneath the barns in the backside. It's just, all right, what what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Well, think about who is televising Naira's races and Churchill's races. Who's doing that right now? Fox. Who does the Triple Crown? NBC. Not anymore. NBC does the first two legs. Who does the last leg now? Fox. Fox. NBC's deal with Churchill runs out in 2025. The last time they signed that deal, I think, was 2012. <laughs> um, there was an extension added on to make it to 2025. I wouldn't be shocked if Fox took over the Churchill, the, the Kentucky Derby, if they outbid. I think they're paying like nine million dollars a year for it, which, you know, isn't that much. In two thousand twelve, was probably a, a good a number, but now it's probably cheap, way cheap for the ratings they get. That's a huge ratings thing. Uh, so if Fox takes over two thirds of the Triple Crown. Interesting, right? So the third part of this is the reason you can't move the Preakness undercard, excuse me, the Preakness card two weeks out to force Naira to move back a month because it would make no sense to move the gap between the Derby and the Preakness to four weeks and then move uh, extend and then run the Belmont three weeks. That, that, that would not make sense. So They would assume assuming that you would want to force it four weeks out. Well, when you look at the undercard stakes on Derby day and and the day before the Derby, and then you look at the undercard stakes on Belmont day and a little bit before the, you know, the, on Friday, they run a couple, those, those, those mesh very well. Five weeks apart. Um, A lot of grade ones, a lot of big money races. Everything kind of fits. If you don't, run those races five weeks out when are you going to run them you're not going to move the met mile in all those other races to a july a first week in july date because a it creates a big gap in naira's belmont schedule B, it you start to overlap a bunch of races, and you're pushing up against Saratoga. Uh,
1: yeah, I think the, I mean, my thought was, what you're talking about um, is the infringing on Saratoga would be a huge issue for for Naira. Right. I mean, let's remember Saratoga starts basically around July 15th, In July,
0: Olympics. right, Mid-July. right, you <laughs> know, right, like the middle of July. So it's it's. Not, you know, July 2nd, 3rd, 4th, whatever.
1: Right, you can't run a big stake. They run those turf things. But
0: hear me out again. People look at the Triple Crown as a singular event. But it's run by three separate entities, all of which have their own ADW, two of which now have their own TV contract. (laughs) Churchill Downs cares about Churchill Downs. Naira cares about Naira. They don't care about stronic groups. They don't care about the Preakness. They're only involved because it's the Triple Crown and they all make a lot of money out of it. I'm predicting, and, and I hope this prediction is wrong, and I hope it ever comes to it because it would be silly to, to move it. If they move it, they're basically. They're on the white flag. They're it's basically over. committing suicide by
1: moving yeah, it. Yeah, it's over. But.
0: I don't doubt that Naira would run a card against it. Well, yeah, of course they
1: would. And Churchill, too? Because it, it, it would probably be better. <laughs> Put it this way.
0: If the Dur- or if the Preakness goes off at 7 o'clock at night, Churchill, Naira could get together with Fox... And run a huge card from one o'clock to six o'clock. Yeah, what would that do? That would take away a ton of handle on the undercard. Now the preakness would still be a a um, it would be a money maker. They they would still make money yeah, selling all was- those tickets and all that stuff. Yeah, but the handle would get squashed. And people think all oh, that won't happen.
1: Huh. Well, you know my my thought was, you know, and I and in anybody that's ever talked to me or you know talked horses with me in the racing industry knows that I am very, uh, I'm a very big advocate for change to to get things going, you know, to to try to shake things up get things moving in a different direction. So, you know, we can keep the sport going alive and so on. However, the one thing <laughs> that the sport has going for it doesn't need to change. Literally the only thing that ha- the sport has going for it right now can't change it. It's, 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 it's almost, perfect the way it is because it's it's challenging enough the spacing works everything works well um and like you said i I think people were kind of overvaluing the preakness a little bit not to say that it isn't historic or an important race or anything like that but it's it's definitely you know a notch below you know, like a slight notch below the the derby and the Belmont Stakes. it's always has been. Um, And it's not to its detriment at all because it's still a great race. But it's part of the triple crown and, you know, changing something like that will just, it would just wreak too much havoc. You know how long the wait will be?
0: between the preakness and the belmont if there's not a triple crown on the line which most years there's not
1: well that's the other thing i think people didn't don't (laughs) feel. there's a lot of non triple crown years out here
0: lots of them lots and there's going to be more right you have these horses and it's not the breeding it's a lot of it is the training That guys won't start horses early enough, and they won't race them. They just won't race them. All those horses with two and three starts, where are they all? Where (laughs) are they all?
1: Where where were they all for the Preakness? Right, they're just hanging out in the barn, just chilling. It's, it's it's
0: the fetus thinking racing horses doesn't hurt them. Not racing them is what kills them. Training and training and training and training and training and training and training. And training. <clears throat> Anyways. But it's a bad idea. It just is. It's the only thing in this sport that has thrived. And it hasn't been touched by the modernization of the sport, which is ruined in a lot of ways people oh you're just an old guy no asshole i i understand the fucking of the game and i understand that it's bad when we have five horse fields and three horse races on the turf it's bad if every trainer if every top trainer you rounded up the top 20 trainers and sent them to the moon the game would be better off Nothing against those guys personally, but they manipulate everything in their favor so that they win everything. Yeah. And everybody oh geez, this guy's a great kind of yeah, they're all great. They're all super, they're all super, they're all great. But they're killing the game. You can't have it both ways. You can't have it both ways. I mean, we talk about change on this show. Like till we're blue in the face. Yeah. But this is the one thing you can't change because this is the thing that the part, the public actually pays attention to. We worry about the stupid public and it doesn't pay attention to stuff like Lasix. Nobody gives a shit about Lasix. Nobody even knows about it. The general public doesn't care about any of that stuff. They don't care about things they don't care about, but they pay attention to the triple crown because it's uh, uh, the the historic value of it, because it's been going on a long time and because it's something that they've heard of. That's it. That's why. So changing it so so that all the trainers can have nice spacing between the races, space your ass (laughs) running a freaking Haskell then. You know what? Last year, the spacing worked out great for the Haskell and the Travers. Seven-horse fields, both of them. They had plenty of spacing for those. Space my ass. If your horse can't do it, then you don't get to win the triple crown. Right. And let me just explain this other thing, okay? If Chad Brown wins the Derby, his horse will be at Pimlico. If Tom Pletcher wins the Derby, his horse will be at Pimlico. If Steve Asselstyn wins the Derby, his horse will be at Pimlico. If any of the other big trainers win, they will be at Pimlico because for them, they want to win the Triple Crown. They have literally hundreds of horses. But a horse that wins the Triple Crown, that's something that very few people have. You can say, oh, Chad won the uh, the Diana 11 times. You know what people say? Who gives a shit? That's nice. That's great. <laughs> awesome. That's awesome. Great. But who, what's the Diana? Who's she? That's what you're going to get from, from most people. You say, he won the triple crown? Oh, my God. They got won the triple crown. Believe me. I trained horses for a long time. I've been involved in this business for a long time. And you know what people tell me that don't know anything about horse racing? The first thing I always ask, have you ever won I've a been derby? Been you ever been in the derby? <laughs> That's what they ask. Yeah. Nobody ever says, oh, oh, geez, boy, you really did a great job of of, of managing that horse. And and, then, you know, (laughs) it's like the one thing we have that works huge crowds, giant handles, everything up, 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 up. What did I want to do? Oh, let's change it because horses can't do it anymore. 1989. Uh, 1990, 1991. You know what the fields was 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 back then for the Preakness? 8, 9, and 8. Just like it was on Saturday. Not changed. We've had some big fields this, this, this last decade. And we've had some smaller fields this last decade. Just how it goes. It's just how it goes. And I'm tired of hearing about... Oh, this and all that. How is it gonna make it better? Oh, we'll get a couple more horses. Oh, if Tony Port had run in the thing, who else? Uh, who who else ran like semi decent? Uh, who was that horse? Uh, the John Ortiz's horse that never oh, wins. Yeah, always runs good, never wins. Barbara Road. Oh, Barbara Road was there. Like, oh, Cal huh. Ripken would have would have would have rode a horse and the post parade if if those two showed up. <laughs>
1: Like, who are you guys looking for?
0: Right. Who are you looking
1: for? Well, that's the thing that boggles my mind when I see, like, uh, people that are in and around the sport a lot say say those kind of things because it's like, you know, you know what Rich Strike is. We knew what he was <laughs> in the Derby. I mean, you know, I guess given, given that horse a shot to be a champion – would be something that we would do. But I can also understand, you know, and and I said this and people kind of looked at me sideways is, you know, maybe they know that their horse just wasn't good enough to do this. It doesn't, you know what, Barry? It doesn't even matter. Who gives a shit? It really doesn't. You know what I'd like to ask
0: Jerry Billy and and Bald Headed Moss? You know what I'd like to ask them? I'd say, you know what? Why don't you guys go spend a couple million bucks on horses? And then and then you want know to do? Give them to Eric Reed and, and and the owner from Oklahoma, the oil guy. Would you do that? They'd look at you like you had three heads. Of course they wouldn't. Well, well, why the hell are you 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 trying to change the one good thing we have in this sport because of them? Trust me, none of the big outfits are skipping the preakness. They're just not. They're just not gonna do it. I can tell you one guy who ain't skipping the preakness. <laughs> The white-haired guy ain't skipping no preaknesses.
1: Nah, uh, he's trying to get it. as many triple crowns as he can get. Exactly. Which he should be doing because that's what you do.
0: That's his job. People forget about, like, Buck.
1: When Buck He got money thrown at him.
0: <laughs> right. It was a $2 million bonus.
1: On top. Top at time.
0: on top. I think the Jersey Derby was a million bucks. Million
1: dollar race, yeah.
0: I, I think the Belmont was 500 Hmm. I mean, it would be like if if somebody put up a ten million dollar race against it. You know, I mean, it was nineteen eighty
1: five, and he, they even had the the incentive then too. And he no, still, the
0: incentive didn't come till the year after that. Oh. It was... Yes, it's the incentive. That, listen, right? there but would have the, never been an incentive had they not had right, they, had the they derby not derbies. right. Gotcha. Right, a criminal, you know, put up the two million dollars, <laughs> Robert Brennan, um, but that's how they changed it, and and it and it changed, and and even then, it's it's like racing is not it, just because racing does a lot of stupid things now. Racing did a lot of stupid things back then. They set it up so that. um Ali Sheba actually did not get the bonus the year that uh, he won two thirds of the Triple Crown. That twice got it because he finished second twice, and he won the last leg. And now Sheba finished fourth. So yes, things have been done poorly for a long time, but. The only reason I'm even talking about this, because otherwise I would just laugh about it, is that the people who make decisions in this business actually listen to nonsense like that. They actually listen to nonsense like that. And that's the thing. How many things have happened in this business where you heard about it and you said, oh, that's never going to happen. They can't be that dumb. And then they did it (laughs) anyway. That's the thing is that. You can, and you can't fix it. And that's the thing that people don't understand. You can't fix it. It's not reversible. Oh, we're going to go back to two weeks. Never going to happen. Never going to happen. Because I, I wrote a piece and put it out yesterday. And, you know, the, the, the part that I think... I mean, I wrote about Gato Del Sol's year, 1982. It was 40 years ago. Eddie Gregson, who trained Gato Del Sol, who was just a horse. I mean, Gato Del Sol was not a great horse. He was just a horse. Um, he had put it in his head that the horse was a distance horse. Which, you know, he kind of was. And he had made up his mind before the Derby even ran that if he won the Derby, he was skipping the Preakness and going to the Belmont. That was his plan. Um now, also recall that. We just came off uh, uh, the '70s, where three triple crowns or one um, spectacular bit, almost one in 1979. And then someone reminded me, Pleasant Colony, one, yeah. so, so, it it almost wasn't like a big deal or as big a deal. It was still a big deal, but it wasn't like it was prior to Secretariat winning when it hadn't been won in a long time, and and it was kind of you know unique. It, it wasn't that at all, and Gregson made the decision to skip it. And uh, he, the horse was owned by Stone Farm, which is Arthur Hancock and uh, a partner, Leon uh, Leon uh, Peters, I believe his name was. And Aloma's Ruler <laughs> won the um, won the Preakness, and it was interesting that Aloma's Ruler had had hadn't won a graded stake that year except for the Withers, and that was the same. Um, race that uh early voting had won he'd only won in the withers. Of course early voting's withers was in February and Aloma's with Rulers Withers was the week before the Breakness. <laughs> 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 but um and just saying that the things like the, like like we've almost we've seen this year before, right? A long shot wins the Derby and decides to skip the Preakness, uh, kind of a lightly raced horse that, you know, with the Withers was his main claim to fame. Wins the Preakness. The difference is that we're not going to get a horse that wins the Met Mile, wheeling back in the Belmont. That's not going to happen this year because the Met Mile will probably be like you know two races before the Belmont. Uh, so there will be no Conquista or Cielos. But um, but it's happened before. It doesn't happen much, but it's happened before. This this scenario played out, and back then, it, it from all the reports that, that I could find, it was wasn't even really that big of a deal. People were like. Eh. And once conquistador Cielo blew him away in the met mile and then ran back into the Belmont and blew him away into the Belmont, hell nobody paid any attention to the to the thing no one cared it was just you know they were good. put it this way they didn't care enough to put a bonus in then but um you, but the I guess the point was that uh, in a roundabout way. I wanted to kind of say that, um, I mean, I'll just read the last paragraph. So much has changed in racing in the Triple Crown has been the one enduring event that has not only resisted monetization, but has thrived without it. So few truly understand the complexity that exists where the sport of racing and the business of racing intersect, which is apparent on social media, on airwaves, and likely in executive office conversations as well there are so many dominoes that will fall with anything but the slightest tweak and many of those can't be put back in place once they're down those who wish to mess with the most successful segment of racing should heed the warning that you can't engineer mystique and you can't make people care more but if you kill the spirit of the series apathy will surely follow and I really believe that's true.
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: I really believe that's true. And I mean, I was taken aback a little bit during the pandemic when everything was a scramble. Remember the first couple months of the pandemic and Gulfstream and Foner Park were like the only tracks running Tampa Uh, and Tampa ran and then they, 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 you know, they ran out and, um, And New York, you know, came back and decided they were going to run the Belmont, uh, you know, at at a different time, and then they're going to run it a mile and a quarter because nobody had been racing; the horses hadn't hadn't been racing. So I remember the the intense intense pushback from people about changing the distance of the Belmont, not just running it first, but changing the distance. Like. <clears throat> Do you remember that? Oh yeah, they're mad, big mad. I mean, we had first just started doing the show. Yeah, And people were like, and I was like, hey, listen, I get it, but it's run first this year. You know, <laughs> it's like uh, the Derby's not till September, and and horses haven't even been prepping; they haven't been running. Yeah, they've been training, but no, but nobody's run. There's no preps because you know, I mean, asking them to go a mile and a half off. You know, not having run in a couple months and you know, like that seemed crazy, but I remember that. Like I, I that was something no, no, that I remember because I stored that in my back of my brain and I said to myself, <laughs> next time they talk about wanting to mess with a triple crown, people better they better <laughs> remember these people who were were just like I mean and, and maybe because it, it, it was the New York leg and New Yorkers are a little bit more, you know, feisty. Um but there was pushback to that intense and it's kind of forgotten now, but I remember then it, it, it was a lot of, a lot of, uh, and it, it's, it's a, it's a problem. Anyway, just talked about that enough. What about uh, the actual race itself? What were your takes from, uh, from watching
1: it? Um. Well, number one, I think early voting should send a quarter, twenty-five percent of the winners check to Happy Jack. <laughs>
0: Happy Jack finally found his purpose in life. <laughs> cutting other horses <laughs>
1: off. Just wiped out the the main opposition <laughs> in about less than a hundred yards. Just took out <laughs> secret oath, took out epicenter, and that was pretty much ball game. Um, you know, would have been interesting to see if Joel didn't have to make that audible to kind of just kind of sit way back like he did. Um, but he was kind of forced to, um, but I don't think anybody was going to beat early voting though. He ran really, really, really well. Even if Epicenter got the trip he wanted, I don't don't think he was going to win or beat early voting.
0: Yeah, early voting got a great, great trip. I mean,
1: yeah, I mean, it it couldn't have gone any better. I'm sure that was the way the connections just wanted to see it happen. And it just unfolded exactly the way they, they needed it to. Right. No, I, I thought so too. I thought that that's credit, yeah, it I thought, a perfect trip winner. Like it doesn't get any perfect than that more perfect than that, really. No, and that's, you know, that's what you're looking for. Yep. Absolutely. Um, the biggest day. And, you know, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not very too, too high on early voting. I think he's, he's got a lot of talent, but I, I think he kind of not so much like a rich strike kind of deal.
0: No, no he th- he
1: he lucked out a little bit and you know got a little interference run for for others, and it just worked out I mean not saying that he's not one of the better three year olds in the crop, but um at least for me, he still has to prove a little bit more
0: no i, I agree with that i think I think a lot of the criticism of of rosario was a little unwarranted.
1: Yeah, it was tough. You know, people I mean, say, well, he should have got him
0: out of there faster. Well, no. let me explain he to you how it goes. The horse breaks. The The, the jockey doesn't break. The horse right, breaks. Right, the horse. And they've been teaching this horse now for two months to be off the lead. Maybe he's finally following directions. Right. You know, the the idea, well, he should have been aggressive. I counted five seconds after the break. Um Skippy Longstocking started coming down on him. They're five seconds into the race. So, you know, had he had a crystal ball and he could have forced his way into the position, you know, okay, maybe, but then where was he going to go? It was actually a
1: really good ride, I thought. I, I don't know how somebody could criticize him because he just saved all the ground on the better part of the track, you know, for most of the day, and, you know... He, he, he made the best he made the best out of a bad situation. Yeah, he definitely did. And I don't understand why he's taking it.
0: in a perfect world his horse breaks sharp and he follows uh you know he he, right, he, gets, dra- he, he, gets, he gets dragged along him. with Armanac and right. he sits you know right off of him and then you know early voting tries to figure out a way to come through them blah blah but it didn't happen that way. The horse didn't break that sharp. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> the seven outbroke him and um he, you know he was sent down to the lead and and that's you know that's how it happened but i mean once he didn't get broke uh, or didn't break fast i, I guess you know you want to criticize him for the the split second he didn't just absolutely send but that doesn't necessarily mean that the horse would have been able to get out of that jackpot uh, you don't know he might have clipped heels if he was right. a little closer it's it's hard to tell i mean there was a close to a pile up with with happy jack i mean he forced secret oath to, to clip heels too so um i, I just i mean listen I, i'm happy people blame the jockey because whatever <laughs> that's good i mean when people don't really can't really get what what happened i didn't bet on him i didn't bet against him so you know to me i was watching it unbiased um but yeah i think early voting is a nice horse i just don't know that much about him and that's part of the reasons because they never run
1: you <laughs> know he hasn't <doesn't> run much
0: <laughs> i did think it was interesting that he actually ran a faster raw time in the preakness a 16th of a mile further than the withers which shows you just how ridiculously slow well, aqueduct was on that day mm-hmm. He went almost a second faster and he went a sixteenth of a mile further. And it wasn't as though, uh, Pimlico was lightning fast on, on Saturday. It was, it was inside speed favoring. Um, but it wasn't like, it was like, you know, insanely fast. So, um, you know it's. I I mean I don't really know what else to say coming out of the race other than you know simplification bled which kind of sucks so yeah he'll be off some time um secret oath you know like I said got sawed off I I wrote in my write up before the race you know I, and I and I kind of Lucas like I worked for Wayne and I I couldn't figure out when the hell the horses were going <laughs> to run good or run bad. <laughs> I did. I worked for him for a summer and I, I never knew, you know, um, but, uh, he, he's so hard for me to figure because his horses don't run any particular patterns ever. I mean, it's all over the place and, and she might've regressed a little bit and that was kind of what I was expecting last race. And I almost thought, well, you know, um, I don't, I don't know. He, he's just very tough for me to, to figure. So, um, But, you know, she's going to get some time off and points for the Saratoga races, which is fine. I mean, uh, I thought Kenny McPeak's horse ran pretty good. Yeah. Creative Minister, he, he put in a a good run. Horse who, you know, ran on, on Derby
1: Day. Well, I mean, if you look survived. at field. Just look at that whole field in the Preakness. There was no reason why Creative Minister wouldn't run as well as he did, no, because right the, half that field probably didn't even belong.
0: Five of the nine horses in the race came into the the race on fifteen days rest or less. Five of the nine, right? And and and, and they finished second, third, and fourth. And Happy Jack was one of the other ones. So, <laughs> but I mean, creative minister, I can't believe how many people like tried to make Happy Jack like like they tried to. Say you know he's sitting on a good race or oh man like, I saw that like few- I, I I don't get it like are you just throwing darts or or is it just uh, do people are they just allowed to pick five horses in a race now and and just claim that they won after the race It'd be, I, I don't get that I mean what could you possibly have looked at and said you know what this horse is ready to run a big race off of the Derby
1: <laughs> or his other drubbings by forbidden kingdom and messier <laughs> I, I, it's
0: it's you know. oh he's gonna thrive on the two weeks and the blinkers well he was in he the needed, he needed two weeks blinkers and, and and to let him start at the at the <laughs> on the backside
1: he was in the uh arguably worst graded stake race of all time according to you
0: yeah he was last yeah i don't know greatest stake like, derby prep Derby prep. Okay, uh, let, let me let me let me give you an update on the Robert Lewis. Um, the horses who were fourth, third, and fourth
1: still haven't run. Ron, they haven't worked. They haven't worked. I thought Wharton's race. like they turned Wharton out. Yeah, yeah,
0: and you know what happens when those type of horses get turned out? They don't come back. No, he'll be standing in Oregon. <laughs> He'll be up at Trailblazer Farm standing for five hundred bucks.
1: Dame <laughs> dash. Yeah,
0: exactly. Um yeah. The the horde, the clunker, the can't think of his name. Um, the one who runs all the time. He finished third in a five-horse race at Golden Gate the other day. And then there's Happy Jack. That was the field the Messier beat. But anyways. <laughs> I digress. Um, yeah, other, other than that, I guess there's not much to talk about in that race. Oh uh, man, I, um, I almost had the score of scores with my bomb, my bombardier McLovin, McLovin Enriquez. <laughs> I know it's not exactly how his name is spelled but that's how that's that's his name okay from, from here on in his name is McLovin you spell your name McLovey, you are McLovin <laughs> that is your name buddy it's a good name too but um yeah the uh um which one? the Jackson Warrior or Jackson whatever the hell his name is yes uh, that hurt my
1: feelings. Wait, that's no, you. that's that's not the one that I that I scored on, it, was it? No. Well lightning Larry? No. It was the
0: it was the later race.
1: Later, later, yeah. Yeah, this was the uh, the Maryland
0: Sprint, the older horses. Oh, okay. Threes over deuces. I. He... Put his head in front at the eighth pole. <laughs> I know a twenty-three oh, it... to one, and I had him everywhere. I had him everything, man. And no, there was a, a couple, couple scratches, rats. short field, and it was like to to play. You know, people back him up was you paid eleven dollars to place. All right, so you got nine to two on a twenty. Shot, no, f- <laughs> so that was not an option. The exact to pay twenty bucks. And I and I be honest, I I didn't think the horse that won was a cinch. No, like, it was just one of those cases where you you you, you really you come. And I, I watched that horse race last time. Don't ask me why I was, watching, but I happened I, to watch that day, and what? the kid made a couple mistakes in the race. And I said to Julian on our chat group chat, "Who the hell is McLovin Enriquez, guys?"
1: Yeah, you know
0: and and Julian was like I think he's a bug boy and I was like no wonder he looked like a bug boy because I never heard of him I didn't know where the hell he rode and I was like why is Gary Capuana using this guy you know and again he he is a bug boy (laughs) but he rode the horse perfectly he, you know if he was a a veteran rider he might have did a little bit of you know uh, you know stretch but but uh no he eyed the horse fine and it was just one of those cases of the yep. live 23 to 1 shot you actually and, and then you just get out finished the last 100 yards and i honestly i should I have just quit at that point and like it was early right. around i know and i should have i should have quit and then wandered around the everglades looking for pythons to capture and turn into like people because the rest of the night day was just spent like chasing after that because you know
1: Larry, Larry, man, I told you Larry. Lightning Larry. Lightning Larry. <laughs> I bet him in
0: doubles. And of course I didn't hit, but track a lot of hope might have won. He was flying at the end. Yeah, he was flying. He was. He was, he was like. Print area code. He he made, he made up a lot of ground against the bias. You have to keep an eye. At a whatever. huge number, too. Whatever, Big whatever number. But like the Sir Barton, I mean.
1: It's all right, you know. You know nothing. Rode, no, nothing. Wrangled, okay. Was, I, no. I
0: I can't believe Lucas is not going to run him in the Belmont. I I would almost guarantee you'd run him into Belmont. But um,
1: actually, that horse Victor Carrasco rode on the grass. Yeah, yeah, Joe. Yeah, that, that was that was a that was a really good race to watch. Um, you know, the result was kind of chalky, but um, Victor Carrasco, yeah. just, he, he rode he rode really well.
0: I was gonna say he gave him a ride of a
1: lifetime.
0: <laughs> he, he did. He he won the race by you know a lot of times jockeys lose yeah. races, not win races. He won. And a out. lot of times they get credit for winning races when they really didn't do a whole lot. But that was a case where he, he really by by you know sliding up the inside and shooting through, he got him ahead, and the horse just is game. So, but. I mean, I wasn't real excited about the undercard on the on the uh Black Eyed Susan day. I barely made I made a couple token wagers, but you know, it was pretty chalky. Yeah. But you know, that's the way it, the way it goes. Um you know i think one thing that we've been concerned about talking uh, a consistent theme that we've had about it is the horses preps and i think it's home to roost and that like where are a lot of the horses that were horses
1: who knows
0: Well they're down six percent uh uh handles down everywhere and I, and I i imagine that you could probably make a case a pretty good case that the inflation and in this the prices of things gas being ridiculous that that would be uh to me the of, of uh you know it affects handle because it just is, uh, I mean, it's ridiculous. I don't want to talk about politics or anything, but
1: no, that's not it's out of
0: This is, I think, I mean, you know, get, you ask you, you double to the car, um, and you need to buy basic things. Well, you're going to have less money to bet on races. So,
1: wasn't oh, there, uh... Uh,
0: the things I wanted to say? <conventions>. <laughs> <laughs>
1: the, Who's on the lead? Armagnac. Yeah. Where Second to last
0: <laughs> Where's Taibay, Taiba? Where's Taiba right now? Taiba's a looking looking at the uh... well, runes okay. locked... nice. yeah. and getting whipped. I are there people new... out there that are still calling Slide the shots? I told you call <laughs> Bob is calling the shots. They're just not really good or Abel just got thrown to the wolves, start number three. Messier was never really that good anyways.
1: No, and, he, he worse field in a derby prep ever. And this idea
0: like, oh man, I can't believe, you know, Yakteen. Tim Yakteen. My barn were very similar. The numbers were similar. The amount of starts we made, the of money earned, all that. It's very, very similar. And if someone had told me that when I was training horses for 90 days, absolutely I would take those horses. Are you nuts <laughs> to think that he, sh- he shouldn't? It's an ethical thing. It's ethical, my ass. Them horses didn't do anything wrong. The opportunity to train good horses instead of uh, cow-bred maiden 20s. An opportunity to to, um, be in touch with with virtually all the top owners in the game. To at least be on a a first-name basis with them. An opportunity to run in big races, maybe make a little bit of money. Are people out
1: of of their mind?
0: Yeah. I don't think the normal...
1: For him to turn it down, he wouldn't. Of course, he wouldn't. Not to mention
0: that he worked for Baffert. He's his friend, right? You might not like Baffert, but Baffert is not like uh, Vladimir Putin here. (laughs) Oh, geez, I hope not. You know, like people are 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 just getting a little bit over over the top here. I mean, come on. I don't like a lot of those people he trains for. I mean, how can you? They they make themselves unlikable, but they don't care. (laughs) But the fact of the matter is this, is that you're a trainer, like you don't understand how hard it is for all the trainers that aren't famous people that don't have 200 horses, how hard it is for them to find owners with decent horses that pay their bills. And it's getting harder. I like training horses. I like being around the horses. I like the challenge of it. I didn't like the business at all because you almost can't win. You want to do things on the up and up and you want to make sure you, you take care of the horses properly. Um, you know, you, it's, it's very, very difficult. It's very difficult. And I used to train a lot of second string horses um, for bigger outfits, and those stopped becoming available because the big trainers took them too. Took it. them all. Yep, they took them all. And nobody wants to talk about it. Nobody wants to hear about it. And the smaller trainers don't want to say anything because then they look like they're crybabies.
1: Right. <clears throat> it's a no-win situation. For no-win situation.
0: The people uh, that run the racetracks, they let it happen. Then they scratch their head. And, Geez, where'd all the horses go? I don't know. <laughs> maybe, maybe maybe you should wonder where all your middle-class trainers went. They all went out of business because you guys kept giving a million stalls to these other people. You never made them say no. You never made them say no. So I think people just sometimes, I, I, we don't talk about this very much, but do not make the mistake of thinking that the vast majority of trainers aren't living in a state of we don't know where we're going to be six months from now and that's a bad state that's a bad state for this business it's a bad state for the game and it's bad because the people that don't pay thrive under that situation they just go from trainer to trainer to trainer and people say, "Why? Why did they take them?" Well, you know why? Because an empty stall pays no freaking bills. None. Can't make any money with a with an empty stall. You don't lose money, but you can't make any money. I can't go to the store and say, "Hey, guess what? Uh, I didn't lose any money this month." So, you know, can I get my groceries for free? But it's a problem, and nobody talks about it. And it's just like everything else. Um. You know, I'll talk about it because I lived it, and you can say, "Oh, he wasn't a good trainer, he wasn't a bad guy." Well, I don't care. Say, think what you think. All I'm saying is that when I started training, there was a lot of owners available, and there was a lot of horses available, and most people paid. There was always pe- There's always been people that haven't paid. But the situation now, everybody wants a deal. And that's the thing. It's not just some people say, "Oh, I'll pay you," and they don't don't pay you. It's not that. It's it's that they want you to train the horses for free, and and split with them a revenue deal, which is a great deal for the owner. It's actually a bad deal for the owner because if your trainer has no money, then your horse is going to get start getting fed, um, you know, lesser quality feed, and are going to have a probably not as good of a rider and the groom is probably going to be rubbing more horses. So he won't be able to pay his attention as much attention to him. It's like going to a bad mechanic, mm-hmm. you know, you don't want that. No. Yeah. He's <laughs> cheaper, but your car breaks down three weeks later. But those people are, are out there a lot of them. And it's, if, if you're willing to take the horses on that deal and animals never work out, even in the places where the, the money is, is flowing. Those are hard places to win races. <laughs> so yeah. It's a problem. And you talk about a horse shortage. Who's gonna who's gonna lose the most? Not the bottom level, guys, because there's always gonna be bad horses. There's always gonna be bad horses. The, a lot of the horses that sold today at the the the, the Timonium sale, probably two thirds of them are gonna wind up running on the bottom. They're going to be bad horses because everything goes down. So the cheap guys, they'll always find the horses. The top guys, they'll always have horses. The big name guys, there's always going to be good horses, There's always going to be well-bred horses, the fastest horse that sale that they're always going to be fine. It's everybody else. It's everybody else. It'd be like having a football team and only having a quarterback or running back and two wide receivers. Someone's got to block. Well, you know who our blockers are? They're the guys like me, like a guy like Tim Yachting, who fill the cards on Thursdays and Fridays and run in the races that have the big fields, the maiden 25s, the 16 Glammers on the turf. Those guys. And you know who's helping them in this business? Nobody. 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 No nope. matter of fact, if you have a horse like that and you want to ship out nowadays, because all the tracks are circling the wagons and not wanting to let people ship, you think, you think Todd Pletcher cares if they tell him? What, to, what are they going to tell him? <laughs> He's going to run wherever he wants to run. Pretty much. What's he, what are they going to do to him? Throw him out? Get mad at him? What are they going to slap him on the wrist? I mean, you know, the smaller guys, they squeeze. Who do they always look for to fill a race? They're always they're all calling a guy who really doesn't belong in the race. The big guys don't fill the races. The big guys are the ones who get the races filled for them. It's the biggest misconception that is that ever was that the big trainers fill the races. No, the big trainers prevent your races from being filled. A lot of times they have three, four, five, seven, ten, twelve for the same class. Anyways, if they got them, someone else doesn't. Can't run them. Just math. Just math. I told you I was feisty tonight. Oh yeah. <laughs> the, no, but, the you the, know there was one interesting thing on the undercard of <laughs> of Black Eyed Susan. Oh Friday, and that was. First captain. Oh boy. Yeah, he ran great. Winning the uh he looked completely dead on the different. turn. Different. He, he looked different. He was bigger. He looked he, but on the turn he looked like he, he was had no chance to get there. Yeah. You know, he's done so. that before. Yeah, races so. where it's like he doesn't get going and he just finally you know, I don't know if he grinds it out or what, but And they got that weird angle at Pimlico, too. So it's hard. But but I thought he was, I didn't think he was ever going to get there. And then by the eighth poll, I was like, holy shit, he is going to get there. But, you know, it's amazing that, like, he's not going to run again until the Whitney, which is in August, which I thought was, you know, pretty light schedule i mean he's only run twice this year
1: right so you would think that was his third race let's say he wins the whitney then what he's going to go on the breeder's cup right
0: i I would assume he would go on the breeder he would go straight in the breeder's cup right so you're talking about a five race campaign that started in february february it's not much racing And to be honest, I mean, it's not a real stellar card or group of older horses this year. I mean it kind of fell apart a little bit. Mandaloon will be back at some point, right? And uh Who else is there?
1: I mean Hot Rod Charlie. He's you know on a break. Yeah. Um life is good. On a break. He's pointing to the Whitney, I think, too.
0: Yeah. Uh, speaking of life is good and I mean, <laughs> I be mean, kind of like, man, wouldn't it be great if he showed up in the, in the Met mile and it was life is good and speaker's corner and flight line, but, but flight line is working and, uh, we're what, uh, probably one more work. No, uh, two more works, couple, yeah, a couple more works and, and I don't know, with, with flight... we'll see because Almost... if he doesn't show up. The Met the Mile is not going to be a very competitive race.
1: I was going to say, I, with Flightline, I'm on the I'll, I'll Believe It When I See It plan. My man, Jason Blewett, said he's going to make it, so I'm going with okay. Jason. Okay, I
0: believe Jason. We're riding with Jason. Right. I think he's uh He's a part in, I think he's in, he's in a, a wishful thinking manner right here because... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I do, I mean, listen, the horse never runs. I get it. He's a really good horse, but, um, I, w- I would like to see him race and I would like to see him race against speaker's corner because speaker's corner has been tremendous this year. Uh, flight line was tremendous last year. So let's, let's match him up around one turn, right? Let him run. See what happens. You know, let's see what happens. It's, it's going to be like the race of the, of the summer, basically. I mean, what other matchup could you look at in this sport right now that that wouldn't be that would be better than those two? None. Other than maybe a Fenwick
1: Happy Jack duel, or maybe a, a, a Life Is Good Jackie's Warrior rematch. Yeah, that would be great too, but that's not going to happen either. But that's so. not, no, not at this point.
0: No, I think Jackie's Warriors running in the the Sprint Stake on mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. undercard. Yeah. I mean listen he's a sprinter and that's that's where you uh, it's just too bad there there wouldn't they they couldn't throw down in a seven 8 race again like they did last year on Travers Day. Because right. That that was a great race. That was that was an example of a five horse race being a really great race. And it's <laughs> it's a race you'll remember. You know? Still don't know why Mike Smith didn't why why he stayed in the forepath. path and life is good. But But anyways, um, you know, we, we get a little distracted on these weekends with the big, you know, the big uh, triple crown races and stuff, but San Anita is like, that Dude, was really bad.
1: You, you that race yesterday? The three, the three horse?
0: Three horse claiming race. That's not good, man. They had like 55 horses run on Saturday. I mean, New York ran a five horse to stake on on Sunday. It turned into three, and it wasn't off the grass. It's uh... frightening. Yeah, and and what what's being done? Let me see. Um, uh, that'll be nothing. Also, um, oh, today t- today's idiotic story of the day. <laughs> only one that's the amazing part about it so it comes out that uh, the Naira Clocker the head of the Naira Clockers oh, a man. guy named Richie who's been there forever uh, And I'm not, I'm not like buddies or anything with him but uh, the guy is you know he's a respected guy he's been there a long time and he you know he wasn't involved in all the nonsense that happened, um, you know, that got the people in trouble, blah, blah, blah. So most tracks, Naira has this rule, and I, and I believe it's a house rule. I do not believe it's a state rule. I'm almost positive that it's a house rule Um, about horses on the vets list. And if you get on the vets list for getting beat, um a certain amount of lengths, certain amount of distance, and, and this is for the protection of the horse and the protection of the betting public. Um uh, if you get beat a certain amount of lengths, then you go on the vets list and in order to get off the vets list, and and this depends on jurisdiction, what the timing of the work is, what what the the distance, um whether they're going to do drug testing, whether they're going to have the vets, um, uh, you know, examine the horse to get him off the vets list, whatever. Um, this horse, in, the horse in question, the horse named Beyond Ice, and he ran in a maiden 20 at Aqueduct and just uh, he hit the gate coming out and, you know pulled up and and walked off, came back and he ran in a maiden special at Aqueduct. Um, I mean, I guess you could, (laughs) you you could, uh, say, uh, uh, you know, he, he, he walked off for maiden 20 and he runs him back for maiden special. (laughs) Anyways, he gets beat by 26 lengths in this maiden special. Now, because he got beat by more than twenty five, he was put on the poor performance list. In order to get off that list, you have to work a half mile in fifty three or faster. Um, now that's not a tough barrier, right? That's not a a, a, <laughs> a tough bar to clear. Half and fifty three. You know, basically, you just have to not be a, a total slob. But. <laughs> But when the horse worked, they worked the horse five eighths of a mile instead of a half mile, and um, and he was given a time of one o four something. So when he went to enter the horse, the trainer not uh, the trainer of the horse went to enter the horse they said that they can't let him run because he's, he didn't work a half and, and, and faster than 53. So the clocker went back to the original clocker and said, we have the fractions for that work. The half mile time was 51 and change, which of course is faster than 53. So they put the distance, they put that time down. So it, it complied with the rule which is an idiotic rule. It's not (laughs) idiotic to have a rule, but it's idiotic to to not realize that horses might work different distance than um, a half mile. So the rule is in place so that sore horses or unfit horses aren't running. The horse clearly was not unfit, clearly was not sore from the work but because I, I maybe the encompass system wouldn't let them enter the horse because it was a 5 ace work in 104 instead of um uh a, a half mile work in 51 they they made it they they gave the half mile fraction which is fine i mean that's the work the horse did and um the stewards have decided to, or I think one steward, to be honest, has decided to give him a 30 day suspension and fine him $2,500.
1: <laughs> if only that were in line with anything else they do. So basically,
0: they are saying, and, and let's recall that the rule only pertains to what the clockers put down. So what you're saying is oh I trust the clocker implicitly to put the proper time down except now when your rule which has is obviously very flawed doesn't allow a extra eighth to be added to the time which would have been fine now we're going to fine the clocker and suspend him for 30 days this is almost like misconduct by the, the 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 racing commission i mean this is like you, you just can't make this up the guy didn't do anything wrong the horse worked 5a or a half mile and 51 and 3 on his way to working 5 ace and four, 104 he worked that was his time he didn't alter the freaking work
1: yeah that's why i had a, a problem with the the headline on it
0: Altering to work means he gave him a time that doesn't exist.
1: Right, it's, that's how I took it anyway. And I'm not, I'm not making any comments on clockers
0: in general, at all. I, I get it, clockers, you know, blah blah blah. But this is like outrageously, like wrong. It's absolutely, positively wrong. It. I mean, who, who are we hurting here?
1: I mean who are we hurting? Nobody because you know it's not like like you said it's not like the horse didn't work the half. The horse worked the half because you
0: five eighths without working a half.
1: Exactly. So like it's just absurd. Exactly. It's it's just completely absurd. And if
0: you want to say, well, you should have had permission or you should have did this or you should have did that and, and gave them a $100 fine, okay, whatever, fine. You want to be an ass? You want to be a jerk? You want to be a bureaucrat? Fine. You want to, you want know, You want to exert your authority? But this is ridiculous. This is wrong, and it brings negative attention where there shouldn't be any. Who regulates the regulators? The dumbest thing that uh, people say on a regular basis is, is, is "Oh, racing can't uh, can't regulate itself." No kidding, because it it it's never been asked to regulate itself. We're regulated by the state. And you think this is, like, ignorant, right? You think this is stupid. This is a ridiculous, like, total made-up nonsensical thing. Guess what's going to happen when they come with the next thing? Things just like this because they're going to put a stupid rule in, and now we're going to have to go to the FTC to change it. The FTC, which just is... Probably the building itself is probably just, you you go down the block and turn right and see that building that's wrapped in red tape? That's the one you're going into. That's where we're going to have to deal with now. The guy did nothing wrong. He tried to allow a horse to race that did his job, that passed the test. There's no difference between that. It's it's a fraction of, of the work, it's an embarrassment. New York State should be embarrassed that their their gaming commission is is a is a
1: is just abysmal. Well, not to mention, I'm sure this isn't the first time this has happened. Uh, it's it's just incredible.
0: I mean, it's just an, it, this is what we're worried about.
1: Yeah, it's uh, very misguided. <laughs> it it is. It's just,
0: uh, it's just a sham. I mean, it's it's a joke. It really is.
1: But uh,
0: but you know, welcome to New York. <laughs> So. so anyways <laughs> My my rage is over for the night
1: That's good, you got it out of your system I know you were holding on to it for a couple of days
0: It drives me crazy when people just don't Take into consideration Like the big picture They oh, They just focus on these little One thing on an argument when there's 10 repercussions that might come out of the argument or well, that, that, I mean, whatever you, happens. You
1: got to think With the triple crown stuff that they only say that for selfish reasons, you know, they're not looking at all the ripple effects of doing that. Like you kind of outlined tonight. Um, but it's important to think like that because, you know, you can't, you know, this, the, the whole racing calendar itself is, is kind of predicated on, uh, the traditional foundation of the Triple Crown you know what I mean um, so you know changing that whole thing up would would cause too much strife especially be- like you, you you know the scenario you brought up um, where they really don't care about the preakness you know with those other two they, they have deals together you know it's a scenario that could actually happen. And people don't realize that as, as a business perspective. They're only thinking, oh, well, you know, the racing would be better if, if they spaced them out. And that's not even true.
0: It's not. It's not true.
1: So, you know, just a little bit more thought into it might bring out the, um, you know, the better opinions on the subject. Not the surface lookers, I call them. They just look at things on the surface, and well, this sounds better than that, so that's why, with no kind of reasoning behind it. I know.
0: I mean, the Derby and the Preakness and the Belmont. I mean, these things. This is (laughs) the like this is a this is our success story. (laughs) Yeah, that's like the (laughs) top. (laughs) like
1: uh, like man (laughs) well I mean you you can even take it a step further and and throw in the Breeders' Cup and look at how much that would be affected by that movement
0: it's not even about like change you know and that's uh, I think that's the thing that people tell me you know when they say well you know uh, the change like for
1: change or against change It's it's just um We're just in a situation where you need something to work, you know? Like yeah, it, just whatever it just, is, whatever put a, put a fence around this, okay? Right. Put a fence
0: triple crown
1: and okay, leave we it, it. We got we got that leave part. That's good. Now let's go after the other stuff. Exactly. <sighs> but um I don't even know what the hell's around this weekend. I've I haven't even looked yet, to be honest. I I haven't either, to be honest. I I kind of took a mental break from it all this weekend because yesterday was horrid as far as racing cards go. Just, it was bad. Yeah, and I, I'm not really one to say that much. <laughs>
0: No, you'll
1: play basically anything, <laughs> and
0: it was pretty bad. I love, I love when I get the late night text from Barry. Can you believe that I, I hit this exact Australia harness? See, I'm like I think I'm getting ripped off. <laughs> like, hold on, your harness,
1: <laughs> man. I had a nice pick four um, over there. Uh.
0: Oh man, yeah, my lesson last week on the Tuesday tracks. No, thank That's you. That's rough. <laughs> no, no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you like Joel Rosario Epicenter. Oof. <laughs> hey, uh, what's that place called now? Try uh, in Indianapolis Horseshoe. Watch, watch, a, watch a yeah, whatever the hell it's called. Watch a turf race from there.
1: Oh man, we, we saw a brutal one. <laughs> That's all I got that, to say. Yep. Rough. And <laughs> winning and
0: losing is losing, but when he just is, you know, to be nine wide, then horses instead of, yeah, I don't even want to talk about it anymore. But, uh, <laughs> Flashbacks. Oh, man. You guys that play Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays? Strong. You. Um, you got some, you got- got some strong.
1: But um, yeah, we won't be playing those cards. <laughs> Tried that once. Daytime harness. Uh, daytime harness. Half mile tracks
0: are so difficult, man. They're just so difficult. They ran at Flamborough Downs. They ran good horses last night. Yeah, it's bad when a horse goes fifty-five to the half. Enough. It's considered like a soft half. <laughs> it was over basically the race was over the horse went a half 55 and it was line drive Hanover over it was on the lead of 55 and it was over went 149 and i have mile track and the mr buffalo he was even saying that the track all that fast last night it wasn't you know super hot so and for whatever reason horses run faster trotters run faster when it's when it's hot
1: Yes, I mean, that's metal was, was
0: hot, and you know, they still had the sun was up when they ran the first couple on Saturday. I think the first race went 148, the second race went like 147 and change.
1: Yeah, world record. <laughs> uh,
0: the, the one good trotter, though, the, the, the yeah, 149 and one, 149 and one, and, and didn't look like he was extended, it was no. like the easiest
1: within almost, himself.
0: It's almost frightening to think how fast they go. It's crazy. Just can't wait till Aki runs into one with that one. It'll do it. It'll happen. It'll happen. I do want an Aki big head though. Dad, I, I haven't can... I haven't forgotten that from last year's Hamiltonian. Someone has an Aki oh. swan said big head.
1: I'm sure a lot of people are thinking, "What am I talking about?" Yeah, we, I'm sure it's somewhere online.
0: Right? to Who would who who would be a jockey that you would you would like make a parallel to Aki as a driver? Because he's a great trainer. I mean, as a trainer, he's like unbelievably good. Ooh. But his driving like, oh my god! Sometimes <laughs> <laughs> some of the decisions he's twice. made. He, you know, what he drives like he drives like Mister Magoo. Remember Mister Magoo, the old car, <laughs> the old uh,
1: cartoon. That's what he drives like. Yeah, that's what Rudolph told me about uh, Carruthers. We called him Magoo on the air once. Oh. Mister Magoo.
0: <laughs> but um, well, that's it, man. I got nothing else. I got the, there was a sale today, and I didn't look at any of the results. I'm sure you hear about them. No, I'll look at. It. I just haven't. I just didn't pay the. I didn't pay. It. I didn't want to start paying attention to it because then I'd start looking at pedigrees and I'd go down that rabbit hole. A rabbit know. hole. Yep. Then see. Oh, this one wasn't sold. <laughs> <laughs> oh my! Maybe we should put together a little syndicate and. Buy them.
1: Syndicate of rich people? Uh, Syndicate of poor people. Oh. Our listeners.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Chalk eaters. We're so poor, we can't even pay attention. Damn. Broke. Broke. So, you got anything else? Nah, man. Don't yeah, change Craig, Craig, if, That's if, I got. Craig, if you're listening, the Orioles got a new dude and he's like supposed to be good, so you can not pretend like you don't like him anymore. We know you like them. Are the Heat still getting crushed?
1: I don't know. It was like 19 to 1 when he <laughs> started this. Uh, yeah, starting the fourth, at 76
0: it, to 52. So it was, if you're listening to to this, it's, uh, yeah, they got yep. hammered. Oladipo hit a three. Right is there. it, is it me or there have been, there have been more blowouts in the playoffs this year than, than you can remember? Yeah.
1: It yeah. seems well, like there's lately, an awful you know,
0: lot of games that just aren't close. First round games were, were better. A lot of injuries too. Yeah, that's the yeah. Celtics. You know, the and NBA, the NBA should really do something about that because spacing. you know the the players aren't as tough as they used to be. So they should space out their games. Maybe they should only play one game a week, one game a month. Yeah, let's play one <laughs> game a month. This way, you know, because they're just not as hardy as they used to be. People just don't want to. You know, they just don't want to play once every other day. You see how silly that sounds.
1: Triple crown truthers. Tell that to LeBron James.
0: Triple crown truthers.
1: Tell it to LeBron. How many finals he go to?
0: I don't know, but if he goes to one this year, he'll have to buy a ticket. (laughs) He ain't watching. (laughs) Uh, I guess they're going to be naming the poor sap that's going to coach the Lakers soon. Talk about a... I hope he gets a a, a big contract because that's going to be a thankless job next year if they start off like... Two and seven. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about a, a high pressure job. You take a team that wasn't even in the playoffs, and if you don't start out like fifteen and three, everybody's gonna hate you. <laughs> <laughs> At least you know you coach the Knicks and if like last year <laughs> they had a winning record and they squeak into the playoffs and they give the guy coach of the year. Unreal. That's all you gotta do. <laughs> Uh, but I'm looking, you know, I'm looking forward to, and I'm, I'm sure people are. If you haven't tuned out now, you probably should just, just should stop listening because I'm starting to be silly. But I'm looking forward to the, the NBA Summer League this year.
1: Yeah, it should be entertaining, it usually is, but
0: I like the Summer League.
1: Yeah, you, you get to see those diamond in the rough type players, like, you know, kind of come out of their shell. I told Will Hooks, like, Five years ago,
0: the Donovan Mitchell was going to be a star player. After watching Biden. him in the 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 Vegas league, he was the best was, player in the league, the best player. There. And he was like the seventeenth or eighteenth pick. He wasn't like a top, you know, like a lottery pick. And uh, I was right about him. I was like, man, I don't watch Louisville
1: play very much, but man, this guy's good, like really good. Like where's he been hiding? But um. Uh, um that's funny, you say that because my dad said the same thing about Tim hardaway um when we saw him in the n a b c all star game at the final four the first Tim hardaway or the second tim hardaway first one old one okay
0: ron d m c Tim hardaway, yeah, he's like
1: he's like that guy's good, he's right about that, yeah <laughs> say like, yo he's going to be he's going to be a presence in the nba and i was you know i was a kid i was like oh okay, fin- finally got
0: finally got on uh in the hall of fame
1: mhm and he's like i was like yeah whatever man he was right all right well we'll wrap it up
0: and uh we might actually have a a, a live show next week uh oh you know not a live show but semi live semi-live I might uh, maybe I'll be in Daytona
1: it happens it happens people end up here
0: it's, you know it's like a uh, half mile work is on the way to 5 Daytona's on the way north that's right 95 95 down here is like treacherous I'm telling you my my uh my unscientific poll video game <laughs> of like traffic aggravation is um there are more people living here than there ever was because usually by this time of the year this place had cleared out and it's bad every day so, forcing me out (laughs) (laughs) anyways we'll uh we'll talk to you guys next week and uh going in circles podcast at gmail or hit us up on twitter or facebook if you have to facebook is for the crazy people
1: yeah but we got to cater to them too
0: man some of the inane arguments on facebook it's like oh my god like the racing arguments, right? Like Yeah,
1: they're pretty vicious. <laughs>
0: some people come up with some one guy was saying today, I think if Secret Oath, you know, had done this, she would have won the race easy. And I'm saying to myself <laughs> What? Did, <laughs> but, did we watch
1: the same race?
0: Please, I hope you have a rich uncle and they left you a lot of money and you decide to play all the time. We <laughs> you need your money in the pools, my friend. Takeout equalizer. Yes. But uh so we'll be back next week, live and in effect. Hey guys, I wanted to talk to you quickly about some of the changes coming to the Going in Circles Digest, which is our sort of weekly newsletter that we've put out that covers a, a wide variety of topics. Uh, just lately, we've added some guest columnists. Sid Fernando wrote a great piece for us a couple of weeks back. And Julian Brown has really helped us out with some uh, excellent handicapping uh, articles, and we're going to expand on the handicapping, especially uh, you know with Julian's writing, who who used Julian used to write for American Turf Monthly, um, but it's something that uh, we we think people seem to have, be interested in, and. Certainly, any timely topic is, is something that's going to be covered, and uh we're going to do a lot of uh, our weekly previews, especially for the big days and, and the Triple Crown races. Uh We also want to put it out there that anyone that has something to say, you can be a guest writer. Just contact me. There's of a variety of ways going in circles podcast at gmail.com is probably the easiest and we'll uh, we'll put you out there and we're not exactly uh, at the distribution point of the New York Times or anything but we do get a lot of click-ons and if you have something to say well we'll help you say it. All right guys, if you have any suggestions, anything you want to hear about, anything you want to uh, read about Hit me up, goingincirclespodcast.gmail.com, and uh, check it out, goingincirclesdigest.substack.com. Free subscription. Thanks, guys.